Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. This true story opens on an anonymous, grouchy mother being nagged by her adult daughter to drive two hours to see the daffodils in bloom. Actually, I completely relate to the mother. Surely the daffodils in my own neighborhood would suffice. But somehow the grouchy mother is convinced to come, and that's an ordeal in itself, a cold, rainy day with fog, making the long drive a misery. She arrives at the prearranged meeting place, upgraded from grouchy to in a snit, one of my all-time favorite mood descriptors. Her daughter, unfazed, takes the wheel to drive her mother another 20 minutes up into the mountains to see the daffodils. And now the story finally cheers up. The mother in a snit writes, we turned onto a gravel road and parked at a small church. I followed my daughter down a path to the far side of the church where a hand-lettered sign read, Daffodil Garden. We turned a corner, I looked up, and stopped dead in my tracks. Snit equals death. Not really, don't worry. Before me, she continues, lay the most glorious sight. It looked as though someone had taken a great vat of gold and poured it down over the mountain peak and slopes. The daffodils were planted in majestic, swirling patterns, great ribbons and swaths, and flowing rivers of all shades of yellow. There were five acres of daffodils. In the midst of all this glory was a modest A-frame house, the home of the gardener. On the patio was a poster headlined, Answers to the Questions I Know You Are Asking. The first answer was a simple one, 50,000 bulbs. The second was, one at a time, by one woman, two hands, two feet, and very little brain. The third answer was, begun in 1958. There it was, the daffodil principle. This woman whom I had never met just changed my life. I imagined her then more than 40 years earlier with a vision of beauty for this obscure mountaintop, just planting one bulb at a time, year after year. She had made something of indescribable magnificence, joy, and inspiration. One bulb at a time had changed the world. Still not quite over her snit, 
She said to her daughter, it makes me sad in a way what I might have accomplished if I'd thought of a wonderful goal 35 or 40 years ago and worked away at it one bulb at a time through all these years. Just think what I might have been able to achieve. Her daughter called the shot. Start tomorrow. What does this story say to you? Let me take you behind the scenes and tell you that at this point, this sermon could go a lot of ways. Let's turn the kaleidoscope. There's the sermon about the blessings of a cheerful heart. The willingness to forego our inclination to a snit for the possibility that this day and every day holds something magical for us. There's the sermon about listening to those who encourage us to step out and look and see in circumstances in which we might be more inclined to stay inside, actually or metaphorically, and to put off whatever it is for another day. There's the sermon about a love of beauty the sermon about vision and perseverance, and inside that sermon, the sermon about learning to love the doing and to bank on the accumulation of time. And then there's the sermon about regret, the truth that the only good use for our regrets is not to disown them, but to cherish them for the instruction and inspiration and encouragement they offer. It's all yours now, multiple choice sermon. (laughs) Over to you to choose to write it with your life. Live your own daffodil principle. Make your own Eden. I could go with any of those. I could go with all of them. But I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about what we do, what each of us does with our five acres. What do we do with what we are given? What does one bulb at a time mean in your life? Never mind doing it tomorrow. Today would be a good day. Today would be a very good day to rise to the occasion of our lives. Today would be a good day to allow ourselves to be touched and changed. Jesus said, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Start today. 
And I'm thinking of Jesus in Jerusalem, healing the man who's been in bed for 38 years. Jesus says to him, will you be made whole? Will you be made whole? Arise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man arose, took up his bed, and walked. I love the immediacy of this story. It's great spiritual practice. Don't wait. That's a little Unitarian Universalist theology in two words. Don't wait. Easter or not, the Messiah may and may not come, ready or not. What do we do with what we are given? Our work is to act as if it's up to us to plant the daffodils and be made whole. Now, here's another true story. Think one bulb at a time. Itzhak Perlman, world-renowned Israeli-American violinist, survived childhood polio. He wears braces on both legs and walks with two crutches. As he appears on the stage, the audience applauds naturally, and then it never fails. They continue to applaud as he makes his way somewhat laboriously to his seat. This is a celebration of his triumph over what have, would have literally undone, utterly undone, a lesser person. I am moved by his sheer perseverance before he even begins to play. One evening at a concert in New York, Itzhak Perlman took his seat. The applause subsided. He signaled the conductor and began to play. And a mere three or four bars into the piece, one of the strings on his violin snapped with a report like gunfire. He had just begun. It would have been entirely reasonable to stop the music, replace the string, and begin again. But that's not what he did. After an almost imperceptible pause, he and the conductor continued. The piece was written to feature violin. There were many solo passages, and Itzhak Perlman now had only three strings on which to play. In some cases, he filled in the missing notes on adjoining strings. But in other cases, when that wasn't possible, he rearranged the music on the spot, improvising, pure ingenuity artistry, skill, passion. And he never missed a beat, rewriting the symphony right through to the end. When he finally rested his bow, the audience sat for a moment in stunned silence. Then they rose to their feet and cheered wildly at this virtuosic tour de force. Itzhak Perlman 
raised his bow to signal for quiet. You know, he told them, sometimes it is the artist's task to find out how much beautiful music you can still make with what you have left. My spiritual companions, in spite of everything, a cold, rainy day or a broken body, and because of everything, five acres of daffodils cascading down a mountainside, or the creation of exquisite music, in spite of everything and because of everything, it is our task to find out just what we can make with what we have left. At every moment, we are exhorted to the blessings of a cheerful heart, to give ourselves to the possibility of looking and seeing, to love beauty and vision, to love the doing, and to cherish our regrets as the wise teachers that they are. Whether or not we have all four strings on which to play, may we persevere and remember that one bulb at a time changes the world. We are called to do it and do it now. Don't wait. Happy Easter. <laughs>